Faith Laux is a holistic, sassy, and grounded sex, love, and relationship coach. She supports clients who are disconnected from their sexual spark to delight in sexuality again. Before becoming a coach, she spent her professional life teaching Spanish and training teachers. She has published two books for language learners that focus on female empowerment and has another one on the way in English for children that educates and celebrates the vulva. Faith is an artist and a healer who profoundly values the role that our intuition and body knowing plays in our lives. She helps people discover, create safety, and claim their erotic desires within long-term relationships. She is passionate about teaching others to make space for pleasure in their lives. Faith is dedicated to empowering parents to support their children to grow up loving their bodies and being unapologetic advocates for themselves. Hello, everybody. I'm really, really happy to introduce today on the Healer Hub podcast, Faith Laux. And I'm so, so happy to have you here, Faith. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's such a joy and such a pleasure. So we are both, we both underwent the same certification. So Faith is a sex, love and relationship coach. And I'm really, really curious to hear more about your story, who you are and how you came to being a sex, love and relationship coach. Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, a funny, light little anecdote to begin with is my last name is Laux and... So we are the Lauxes. And when you spell Lauxes backwards, it's sexual. <laughs> and I just think that that's a really cool thing about my, my new married name. So um, I was trained as a teacher, actually, as an educator. And I spent most of my professional life teaching Spanish, writing books in Spanish for people learning the language, and training teachers in how to teach um, with best practice. And we had a daughter about four and a half years ago and, um, it changed, it changed everything. And, um, I mean, specifically talking about sexuality, our, our sex life kind of dried up, um, and went from being something we had been married for, um, about a good number of years before we had a child and um and so our sexuality was routine at that point and then we had a child and it just became i wouldn't say non-existent but unsatisfying and so much energy and attention went into our daughter that there wasn't much left over for our relationship. And so what we focused on was the relationship, but the sexual relationship didn't get much attention. And around the time that I stopped breastfeeding, something happened. So when I stopped and all of that nourishment that was previously leaving my body, going into somebody else, got to stay in my body, my libido came back and it came back hard. It was like full force. And at that time, I was at a workshop, um, a teacher training workshop, and encountered somebody who I had always been very attracted to. And um, I learned that 
that he was actually bisexual. And the, my brain immediately said, oh, you're bisexual? I want to have a threesome with you and my husband. Like it was just immediate. I couldn't even control the thought. <clears throat> and so uh, the thought germinated and I just let myself savor that possibility until a month later, I took the risk to ask this person. I said, is this something that you would consider doing? And he thought about it and said, you know, if, if your husband is interested in game and open, then I'm open. And I was ecstatic, Anka. I was so ecstatic. I was like, this is the best. This is like the answer to, <laughs> to all of the stagnation. And that's what I was focusing on. And so I returned to, to my husband and I, and I, and I reached out to some friends to be like, how do I even pitch this to him? He's this conservative guy who's not, this is not the way he thinks. And this is not the way he, that he lives. Um, and one of my friends was like, why don't you just lightly say, I have this wild opportunity for a threesome that presented itself to me. What do you think? And so I did that. I like got myself ready and I just sort of casually like volleyed it over one night when we were talking and he immediately closed down and looked confused and upset. And I said, do you want to know more? And he said, no, mm. not right now. He said, not right now. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to give you space to like chew on this. And um, five days went by and he didn't bring it up. And I, in those five days, started like imagining and like dreaming and fantasizing and allowing myself to really go there. And then at the end of the five days, I brought it up again. I said, hey, I mentioned this thing. Are you going to ask me about it? And he said, oh, I thought you were kidding. And I said, no, I absolutely wasn't kidding. I was really, really serious about that. And, and he he was not interested and it was very clear that he was a hard no. There was no, there was no sliver of possibility that this would ever work. And, and so I shared with him, I said, I, I don't want the best sex of my life to be behind me. And at the rate that we're going, it is. And that was my deepest truth to share with him. And what we got to was that he's open to exploring and deepening our sexuality together, but within the container of the two of us monogamously. And so then we needed teachers, you know, because we didn't have training in how to take our sexuality to the next level. And so I worked with Kim and Nami. Uh, we worked with her, actually. We did a couples course with her. And we discovered Layla Martin, who is our teacher that we have in common. And we started exploring and actually putting conscious effort and intent into our sexuality, which is something we'd never done before. We started scheduling sex dates and you know, having specific intentions for those dates and talking about it more. And it became a part of my life that really was nourishing. And so when the pandemic happened and we stopped traveling and we stopped doing all of the, the lockdowns were happening, I traveled inward and I was doing a year-long intensive program 
um, just with myself and my sexuality. And it felt <laughs> like the perfect thing to focus on in, in this new reality of um, disconnection and isolation. And so I learned that she had a course for people to become coaches in this realm and train with her. And, and it was an immediate yes. I knew that that's what I wanted to do and that I'd like to shift my focus professionally to support people in this realm, to be able to have these honest conversations, own their desires, and discover what delights them again. Because being in a long-term relationship is not, <laughs> it's not easy to keep that alive. And, um, and it still matters. So yeah. that's, that's sort of the genesis of where this all came from. Yeah, I have to, I had so many moments when I was just sparking with joy because it was so raw and so sincere to, to talk, to speak to this, right? Like the whole dynamic of a relationship and of a monogamous relationship is changing. And it's thanks to people like you who are bringing the conversation to the table that we are able to reinvent relationships and actually create a space in the relational space that works for us, for me and my partner, for our relationship. And that's just so, so beautiful. And I so honor the fact that it must have been terrifying and extremely challenging to bring such a topic into a marriage, into a relationship that had been going on for such a long time. I mean, you can see the outcome. And I imagine that a lot of your clients are coming with the same fear. How can I bring my deepest desires to my partner inside our partnership? And what could come out of that, right? There is so much fear around that. And you are the living, breathing example that can take such a beautiful, such a powerful turn and it can actually help you blossom as a person, as an individual, but also just ignite your sexual relationship or reignite your sexual relationship with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the key pieces that gets overlooked in the conversation about sexuality is safety and trust. And so creating a sense of safety in my own body around my desires, first acknowledging them to myself and allowing them to breathe and exist. And then knowing that it is safe to express those desires with my partner. We will get through this. We will talk through, we will cry. We will get support. We will heal. We will figure it out. Um, and we can trust each other to bring these things to the table because, because we're safe to do so, because we have this agreement together to be honest and to support each other and to love each other. And I think that love, real love to me feels like when you see all of the person, when I know that he's seeing the parts of me that are just like, Ooh, the hardest parts to love but he sees him anyway and he's loving me anyway. That feels like the deepest love. Yeah. And again, it's very brave from your side. And of course, on his side and whoever is listening to this, it's a personal choice to say, I want to live and I want to be seen in my wholeness in this relationship. And again, reframing what it means to be in a true relationship, what it means 
to access aspects of you that are have been deemed so undesirable by society and by yourself throughout your life and to make these conscious choices i don't want to hide them anymore i want them to be seen and i want them to sh- i want to share them with you because that's also a high level of intimacy when you allow another to see the weirdest the most excruciating painful aspects that you've been so repressing throughout your life and at one point you just well breathe it out and you say it has to breathe this these are the aspects that need need to come to light so that i can come into more wholeness and i can allow it's such an act of generosity too i can allow the other to love these aspects that i may not love i may not accept i may not desire if i'm desirable but who knows maybe the other person will have that capacity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i'm wondering how so after the certification where we are still in certification how did you implement what you lived in your marriage and in the relationship with your husband you also mentioned that you used the lockdown to dive deep into yourself and to explore well i imagine sexuality but also all the shadow aspects and everything that is staying in the way of <laughs> having an orgasmic <laughs> an orgasmic and ecstatic uh, experience of your own sexuality so i'm wondering how you implemented that into your practice and how are you supporting people through these modalities so i think that one of the first things that has been transformative to me from all of the practice that we've done and the things that we've learned in our program is <clears throat> is the practice of sexuality creating space for it creating space for us to explore our bodies and experiment and to see which practices feel good which one like which breath work do I want to do today how do I want to move my body and really over these last years it's been phenomenal to shift the way that i approach sexuality from performance based like what can i do to turn him on and how can i um quickly get to my orgasm uh or like maybe i won't even get to my orgasm because it's about him to really embodying my own pleasure and slowing down to feel my body and not just be in this sort of dissociative state of um performance and so i think it's just simply valuing my own pleasure is a radical act it's radical for women to to value their pleasure we haven't been taught this we were never taught this in sex education in school um and it's in all of the the media that we see most of the media that we see and that we're sort of just ingesting in the air that we breathe it's not saying slow down what feels good to you ask for more of that it's just not doing that and so having the opportunity to be in a program where that became the norm was tremendously healing and i think something that we can be giving to our clients and empowering them to do and orient to 
Yeah. And it's just so beautiful that you're mentioning this because for me, with I think that at the beginning when I started coaching, just having this discussion about what are you in it for? Like, why do you have sex? You know? And it's just like, because um, <laughs> a lot of people are focused on, and for, for females, because of the conditioning that we received, we are very much focused on bringing pleasure to our partners, right? And this is just like a patriarchal conditioning that most of us are rarely aware of. And once you start peeling these layers off and just creating that space for being in pleasure and making pleasure your default, it will, it's such a game changer because yeah, maybe there are aspects to, as, as you were saying, like intercourse where it's not about having an orgasm. It's about seeing how much pleasure can you hold inside your body? How much pleasure can you actually create inside your body? And for me, for me, when I did that, it was such a game changer. But then when I was working with clients and, and they were like, it's, it's just such a, such a mind fuck. It's like, what? It's not about the orgasm. It is also about the orgasm, but getting there and just like turning yourself incrementally incrementally on and on and on just seeing how much pleasure you can bring to your to your body because it's such a such a game changer Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and there's there's another piece that you're making you're sort of reminding me of in and it's one of the great gifts of this program has been you know learning about the sexual seasons and knowing that (laughs) <laughs> in our society, we've been taught to kind of exist in this perpetual springtime state and summer state. So the state of anticipation and first growth and like, ooh, ooh, I'm turned on. I'm aroused. Let's, let's, let's do something with this. And then this, you know, the summer state of orgasm, of, of like, of um, full expansion and expression. And and there's just this sort of internalized um, voice that I noticed saying, oh, Faith, you're in this, in this program to become a coach in sexuality, but you're not feeling like being very sexual right now. What's wrong with you? Something's wrong with you. And it was liberating to learn about the sexual seasons and to learn about autumn, the time for grief, the time for healing, and winter the time for letting things be fallow and quiet and nothing is happening. And so this year our family underwent major transformation. Um, We moved from our home of eight years across the country to a new home. And we, we just wanted a slower pace of life. We wanted to move to the mountains And so we uprooted from a community that we loved and rerooted ourselves, which was tremendously disorienting. And I, in the process also finalized my last year of teaching and left my career to begin a new one. And there was so much stress involved in that move and, and grief in letting go of that community, that home, that career, um, that I hadn't quite 
processed. It didn't quite catch up to me until a little bit later, realizing like, oh, there needs to be time and space for this to come through. And we've been under such pressure and anxiety to get into this new house and, and unpack and settle. Stress is, is, is a libido killer. And um, so giving myself permission to be in this autumn state of healing and grieving and sharing that grief with my husband and, you know, add to this whole conversation, digestive issues and health issues that I was experiencing for the entire year of 2021 that brought a lot of pain into my body. And, and so again, it sort of, it, it, it felt like I was in this program that, that where I was exploring my sexuality and diving deep and also needing boundaries so that I could heal and I could grieve and I could let go of the things that mattered to create space for something new. And just the other night, I, I told, well, a couple nights ago, I told my husband, you know, I just want to have a little relationship board meeting with you. Not tonight, but sometime soon. And I, I want to focus on our sexuality. And so we did sit down and instead of him going off to work or me watching some, something on TV, we created space together. And I just talked and cried for five minutes about how difficult it was to feel sort of the stagnation and pain in my body and aversion to having sex because sex was painful. Like I would feel pain afterwards because of what was going on um, in my digestive tract. And it made me not want to do it. And so I was sort of pushing the whole act away. And, and yet I still had a yearning to be with him and to explore and to discover and to express our affection for one another physically. And, and then he shared for five minutes, you know, his perspective. And I, and, and we got to this beautiful place of like wanting, I wanted him to be part of my healing journey instead of it being this solo thing that I had to do by myself. Like I want him to put his hand on my belly and, and just sort of letting my body know that he knows that, that he wants me to, to heal and he wants the best for me. And, um, and what can we do sexually? That's not penetration that could still be delightful. And after this conversation, this sort of just very opening, honest, truthful conversation, we ended up going upstairs. And so, so acknowledging the autumn and the winter and giving it time to breathe in our relationship opened up a springtime chapter and a summer chapter where we got to explore with each other. And it was so juicy and, and interesting. It was like when we first started kissing, it was like the thaw of winter. It was like, how do we do this again? How do our bodies fit? And then by the end, it was like butter, like melted butter. And so I think that there's tremendous power in acknowledging what's so for ourselves and giving us space to grieve, you know, and to acknowledge the stress that we've been under. I mean, collectively, globally, we've all been under this prolonged threat with COVID and it takes a toll on our nervous systems, you know, and, and life has been so much and so fast that there are, there is a need to slow down. There is a need to take stock 
and acknowledge what has been lost to create some space for something new to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's so many layers that I, that I want to, to go into. I find it really inspiring because you are a normal human being. We are normal human beings. You know what I mean? And you are talking about the way that you're interacting with your husband and actually giving the people who are listening to the podcast another option of relating to their husbands or to their or to their partners or just to people in general because how beautiful and also difficult it is to tell somebody i need i need this time to just be with my pain and all i need from you is to feel that you are there because my nervous system regulates when your nervous system is close by and just to be acknowledged, just to be witnessed in this process, right? And what I found for myself and I found in, in the process that, 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 I, that I undergo or that my clients undergo, women clients, is that we are so pushing the body, right? And we just go into sexual interactions, um, which are penetrative or not, just like in interactions that have this taste of sexual to them very fast, very quickly. And we are overriding this, the steps or the, what you call slowing down for the body to be ready. Yeah. And for, for you to create actually this safety because our nervous systems as women have been triggered so are triggered just on a regular basis so many times because we are the softer softer smaller sex and we just feel fear um and we have been well <laughs> patriarchy helped us <laughs> be over and over again abused so it is so important to to just take the time to slow down for the body to open if it wants to open. And something that that we are familiar with and our clients are familiar with is just asking the body and asking the yoni if it wants, even when you are self-pleasing, is it a proper time? Do I want that? Do you want that? Is it, you know, is it in alignment with, with how you feel at that at that moment? And just these mm -hmm. sets of questions, because what is happening, this safety or lack of safety therefore we no longer live in prehistoric um, era where we are afraid that we are gonna die yeah but our nervous system still triggers in the same way we still see visible and invisible dangers and we are in a constant excitation of the of the nervous system so then we need to find the tools in internally to reg to self-regulate right so when you are overriding your sovereignty and just giving in and just having sex even if you don't really feel like having sex because you need intimacy for example or you just need to be held but you don't know how to ask for a little bit of intimacy so you'd much rather go and have sex with somebody because that's mm -hmm. at least is going to give you like 100 grams of affection or imagined affection so it's really really important what what you mentioned um and also about the grieving part and the seasons and thank you for actually talking i was thinking okay nobody's gonna know what summer and um and spring look like but then you explain them in a very very beautiful way yeah and as as you were talking i was i was picturing something and then it just left my mind um oh i remember now um, I think it's helpful 
to to underline creating a, a space dedicated to talk about this kind of stuff. So having a relationship board meeting that focuses on whatever it is we want to focus on, whether it's the body or sexuality or the way that we communicate or our families, but having a dedicated space to talk about it is powerful because it's not, it's like you're both really there, present, ready to attend to what's at hand. And it does create more of a sense of safety. And to add to what you were saying, really being attuned to our bodies and having an intimate relationship with what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and being able to, to, to have more tools in our toolbox of what we can ask for. So I might be interested, but right now I just need us to slow down, you know, or in like in the conversation. Um, I often say yes to sex when really I'm not quite ready. And I'm curious to know if you would be willing to slow down with me and stay, you know, and, and allow me to share what's going on with me in the moment and see where that takes us kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also thinking that we are kind of reinforcing this narrative where the woman says yes, because the man always asks for, for sex. And it's not always the case. But it also happens that um, it happened in, in my personal experience because I, I was feeling disconnected from my, from my partner and I didn't know how to utter that. So I would just go for sex and it would have to be like three times per day, every day of the week. And unless that was happening, I, I, I was feeling that I'm not worthy and that I am invisible and that I'm not attractive. But it was only about the quantity and just being able to tick through the boxes. Yes, we had sex three times a day. Yes, it lasted for this much, right? So I think that a lot of the times we are actually not seeing what we truly need. And we are just going for the superficial layer of that. Also because society kind of taught us that going deeper i'm like it's not only society you can i guess you can feel it in your in your uh, in your heart going deeper requires a sense of vulnerability and the courage that mm, we haven't been taught to harvest Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that that's one of the biggest gifts that we can give our clients is the space to slow down and feel what's actually going on underneath the surface and Mm -hmm. access the deeper wisdom that's inside of all of us that we just in our day-to-day lives and our normal consciousness don't don't have access to um and so being able to work with somebody to go deep you know dive into the depths and then bring back these jewels of possibility and jewels of um like these these desires and these like oh okay i could do this i can i can see myself bringing this up with my partner and I think that that's a real gift. Yeah, yeah. And as you're as you're talking about this, I'm I'm wondering what are your favorite topics um, that you are supporting your clients with, or if you have like topics that you're really passionate about and you know that your clients are going to bring them to the table because they just mirror your <laughs> your inner reality too. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would start by saying the sexual seasons and honoring where we are 
in that, you know, and giving ourselves space to move through them and we can move through them, you know, all four seasons in one day. Like there's no real, it's not a time bound thing where like the fact that I'm in winter here right now means that I need to be in winter in my body, though there can be a correlation. Um, and I would say that something that I'm very passionate about supporting clients with is you know, in the contain in the coaching container, acknowledging the parts of ourselves that are the hardest to sit with. So sort of what you were talking about just now when you were sharing about I've got to have sex three times a day. Otherwise, I'm not going to feel loved. I'm going to feel unvalued and invisible, you know? And so being able to sit with intimately, patiently, the part of you that feels unloved and unvalued and invisible and allowing her to be present knowing that she is part of who you are and welcoming her into your being you know and not relegating her to the shadows where she's just going to spin you into this cycle of um unsatisfying you know depth or shallow unsatisfying shallowness and like just the to-do list of checking off <clears throat> the thing that will help her feel a little bit better as opposed to like, Oh, she's been running the show. Okay, cool. Let me give her a name. Okay. What does she look like? Okay. And letting her emerge in, into your mind's eye as part of who you are and, and welcoming her in knowing what she feels like, what's her vibrant, what's her vibration, what's her frequency. And knowing like, Oh, she's in my body now, whatever her name is. Um, we could call her the invisible one. Okay. She's the one she's running the show. And, and so to have the consciousness of that, to be able to know, Oh, okay. She's running the show. And then to also access other frequencies in who we are, other parts of our identity that we might not have had the time to get to know before. So our higher our higher self, our divine feminine, our divine masculine, and bring these other, other vibrational frequencies into being so that when we are in life, we can notice, oh my gosh, the invisible one is running the show. I've been having sex all week, but I still don't feel very connected to my partner. And what would my, what would my divine feminine and my higher deep feminine self what is let me tune into her what is she asking for like how can she help me create some time and space with my partner that would actually be deeply nourishing and so i think that there's something profound about welcoming these parts of ourselves that have historically been relegated to the shadows and letting them breathe and have a seat at the table um, there is such profound healing when we integrate, you know, uh, to, to heal is to cure and to make whole. And so when, when we're integrating these different aspects of who we are, there's just a profound wholeness that we get to savor in this life. And I think that it's, it's one of the richest experiences. Yeah. 
Um, as you were talking about the different names that you'd give to different parts, um, <laughs> so I call her the hungry ghost, and we know her. <laughs> and and she has yes, and she has tentacles all over the the <laughs> all over the my life. It's not only in sexual interaction. She also loves to eat <laughs> and binge on Netflix and this kind of thing. There you go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> and it's very beautiful because. Um, what I realized that for me it's extremely important to have to have a um a supportive team. So like I love working with a coach and with a therapist and with a healer. And I'm very grateful for the kind of men that I started attracting one once I started doing my own interaction because I can have these equal conversations. So when I mention that we are now here in the presence of the hungry ghost, beware then they are able to support that, right? And like, tell. so we have different phrases that we came up with. There is also Arabella, which is the mean inner girl. (laughs) And when she's coming up, I'm like, yo, run, because Arabella is around. She's main blood. I have a version of her. Her name is Morgana. (laughs) Yes, so probably Morgana and Arabella would be very good friends. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's just... You see, like for me, another aspect that was so important in the certification was this being witnessed, like for my nervous system, just being witnessed in all the messy things that were happening and the crying and the throwing up at points, because that's just how my, my body is releasing and just being how I felt utterly received. And because I felt that within the container of the certification, within the container of the sisterhood, I am able to hold that space for my clients because now it exists inside me. And you were talking about these parts. Um, <laughs> I know that the people who are listening to the podcast are kind of already accustomed to this kind of discussions. But for somebody who isn't, I was on a reality show in Romania and it was mass media stream, mainstream TV. And it was five years ago. Okay. So I mentioned the fact that I have different facets and different people will, will turn on different facets. Right. And I was, I received so much negative <laughs> bashing on public TV. Of course, because this is not a popular thing to express. We were brought up to hold on to the mask that we had. And so many, like, not so many, always, this mask is extremely altering. It's not representative, maybe 1% of our personality, or I don't know, in percentages, right? So I honor the fact that more and more people are drawn to this kind of work, and more and more people are drawn to living a life that is theirs because at the end it's about that you know what i mean i want to live a life that feels deeply my own it's created and co-created with the people around me so through these modalities that we are offering and just through our inner work we are creating this space for other people to join the club and just live a more i hate now the word authentic because all marketing (laughs) all the marketers are now using authentic but it's just that, like a, an aligned, self-expressed kind of a life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about your work and how you switched careers and now what do you find as your main motivation or main drive in, in your career or in your path as sex, love and relationships coach? Yeah, I, 
it's it's interesting because I feel like I'm a snowball that is picking up momentum. And so I'm motivated. I'm motivated to keep doing this work for myself personally, you know, and to keep it flow, to keep this area of life flowing in my marriage. And I'm motivated to support others to have this, this freedom and ability to accept what is and also create space for, for our yearnings to take root and, and for something different to become. Um, we have a young daughter and I'm motivated to create a different landscape for her than the one that I grew up with. You know, um, she, she was um, potty training at the beginning of the pandemic when I was sort of deep into my studies and, um, and she started getting curious about her body. And for the first time, it was like somehow the fact that she wasn't wearing diapers, like all of a sudden she was curious about her genitals for the first time. And I said, would you like me to write you a book about a vulva? And she was like, yeah, because in our family, one of the things that we did differently than the way that I grew up was to actually just call the body parts what they are and not have any body part be unnameable. Um, so instead of it just being like your privates or that, that place down there, I mean, some families don't even say it, like it doesn't even have a word. Um, we're just calling it what it is. She has a vulva and an anus and a clitoris and a vagina. And, and so when I asked if she wanted a book about a vulva, she got very excited. And so it became a passion project of mine during the pandemic to write and illustrate a children's book called Vulva. And so it's the sweetest celebration of the vulva that the world has never seen. <laughs> and it's a, it's a education you know, it, it educates about the vulva, how to clean her and, and celebrates her in all the different shapes and sizes and, and the ways that they look, um, in, in just the variety, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that's not something that I was ever taught to do, you know, to know what it was called and to let alone to honor it, you know, and not feel ashamed of it. Like I had to hide, not, not that, you know, I need to, encourage her to go flashing anybody but um that it's a part of her body that's valued yeah yeah that is so important i'm so happy i'm so happy i'm so happy that you are doing this for your for your girl and yes just owning you know like owning the words and naming that what exists um this happened i think for a lot of our generations and um well it's it's just it just created such a disconnect for us as women from our own bodies and it also i think created like this big stigma and big unknown and a lot of women have no clue what an orgasm is because they don't know what is what and they rarely they rarely explore that for themselves and i'm so grateful for the certification because again it just opened the space for us to find our g-spot right sometimes i speak to my friends and they're like g-spot and i'm like yo g-spot like from pop culture you know what i mean at least from there right of course it's not the case for for children quite yet but 
it's just really, really powerful to name things what they are. And I remember I did a, um, a course with Mama Gina and she posted a slide with different vulvas and different clitoris. And I remember that my nervous system was on fire because I had never seen that, you know? And yeah. I was like, I am in my mid thirties. And for me to be exposed to norma the normality of a vulva and the normality of the diversity of, of, of kids at 30 is not normal. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show, I'm going to show you one of my illustrations. Um, I know that, that this is a podcast and people aren't going to see it, but I'll at least describe it. Um, and so this is one of my favorite of the, of the images because it's the one where I got to show lots of different vulvas and, you know, different ages, different yeah. races. And so it's sort of like a vulva flower. So you've got a yellow gold background and you've got one, two, three, four, five vulvas holding hands and they all have different shapes and different hair and different colors. And the text that goes with this page is, um, we have many shapes and faces. We have many shapes and faces. All of us are sacred spaces. Mm. And I think that it's important for, for young girls and young women to see different examples of vulvas because, you know, it's <laughs> vulva surgery and vulva, um, like plastic surgery to get your vulvas to look different is, is an industry that is thriving. And I don't think there's any reason for it to be thriving. I think that we need, we need positive, <laughs> we need positive images and positive conversations that are on the other side saying, you're fine. You're beautiful. We're all different and just love and appreciate who you are and what in the way that your body is exquisitely made. Yeah, 100%. And this gets me so angry because I live in the Middle East and I discovered here from some of my friends that women go labio under labioplastia and I didn't know what it was, right? And I realized by talking to, to my friends and to, to clients that so many women just hate the way that their vulvas look. And I'm like, you know, when did we like, did we develop these kind of things? And it's clearly that we weren't just like, you know, walking on the street one day and wow, I know what I'm going to do with my life. We were taught to believe that this has been silently, little by little infiltrated. That something in our sexuality, something in our femininity and a lot of aspects about how we look like are not okay and that we need to alter ourselves the way that we appear the way that our body looks like or performs to be desirable and to be in the standards and something else that really really annoys me is um the talk about virginity and losing the virginity and women going out of their way to rebuild their hymen which is <laughs> Yeah, like again, like you're gonna say, like I can feel my blood pressure 
mm-hmm. going up because there is so much pressure. There is so much pressure, and there are so many myths about this: how you can lose your virginity by riding a bike, and if you don't bleed when you are going to have sex, then it's going to be a huge problem. Depending on the society that you live in, and I would like to state this publicly that bleeding during intercourse means that something traumatic is happening inside your vagina and that should not be normal in any way that's abnormal and it means trauma in the vagina so yep. yeah 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 so many things to say with what you just said um yeah one of which is like the hymen is probably well broken by the time you're having sex for the first time and I, I don't like the term losing your virginity. It sounds like, I mean, I see, I see sex as words matter and the way that we describe things matter and losing something when you're talking about this act of like exploration and actually being filled up for the first time in this, in this unique way. It just feels like, no, that's, it's time for that one to go away. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the next one should be, but I also think that what needs to be on the map of our conversation about this is when a girl or a woman has her first orgasm, that should have a name, you know, her coming out party, her, her coming into herself party, her, you know what I mean? Like that, that to me is in some ways more important. And a bigger celebration, you know, because not only does it, is it, is it an experience? Cause like, not only is it an experience of, of really delicious pleasure, but it might've taken quite some tries to get there, you know, and like celebrating the work that went into figuring out how to make it happen. That's something wonderful. Um, and when I heard you talk about altering ourselves to please our partner to please, you know, this misogynistic worldview that we all have inside of us to to different degrees. It just makes me think about the way that we are in ourselves more broadly, you know, like accepting the hungry ghost, altering yourself. So if you had not done the healing work to accept your hungry ghost and to bring her into the fold of who you are and into the relationships that you're, that you're having with people, that's an act of internal violence, you know, mm. to, to like, to, to, to cut these parts of ourselves off and not allow them to be known and integrated and whole um, is, is, is its own subtle violence, just like it is when we're trying to change our bodies to fit the norm, like allowing ourselves to be who we are in the fullness of who we are, as we are loving ourselves in this place right now is extremely powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I so celebrate what you just said. Um, I do think that inherently our language, all languages, not only uh, the English language in Spanish, being pregnant, being embarazada, like you are embarrassed to be, <laughs> to be, to be pregnant, um, are inherently, um, have inherent connotations, right? Like, certain words have inherent connotations and something that came to my mind as you were talking about the different aspects my therapist asked me about these aspects of me that i am banishing and when i'm not creating space for example for my wild woman who lives inside my womb 
to express herself. And when I am casting away my little girl because she just wants to be seen and celebrated for the beautiful dancer that she is. So he asked me, when you banish all these aspects of you, where is your soul and what is left of you to share with the world? And I had this imagery of like this tiny little black part that was the only one residing inside of me because everything else was in the extremities, in the shadows, because I wouldn't feel that they are lovable, pretty enough, acceptable, um, honorable, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that was quite powerful to, to experience. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering who do you find inspiration or where do you find inspiration in your life? If you have people that you are looking up to, people who helped you on your path. Yeah, I would say the author and public figure, Glennon Doyle. Um, have you read any of her work? Um, I don't think so. She wrote a really powerful book called Untamed. And mm. I read that and it was it was just an important, a very important read for me. Um, and she has a podcast now that she does with her wife and her sister. And, and she's a very famous woman in this country. And, um, and she speaks so vulnerably about the struggles that she faces and her shortcomings and there was an episode on her sexuality, you know, and, and where she, like her edge, like where she's not able to go beyond sexually. And I, I just am so inspired by her fire, her conviction, her passion, um, and her vulnerability, her, like, no, no thing is off limits. Um, her podcast is called We Can Do Hard Things. And, um, I, I just feel so refreshed knowing that that you can speak so candidly and so openly and and it can be well received you know and that people need this people need these honest conversations yeah so i i wrote that down and we're gonna add the link to the podcast in the show notes and i'm wondering where can we find you online where can people reach out to you Sure. So it's my name. My website is faithlaux.com. And on Instagram, it's at faithlaux. <laughs> Sexual written. <laughs> the other way around. I don't have a website for that. <laughs> but coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this was great. It was great chatting to you, Faith. And we're going to add the links to your Instagram and to your um, website in the show notes. Anything else that you would like to share at this moment? Sure. I just want to share that if anybody is interested in working with me, I am offering a free session to a coaching package that they might sign up for. So if they're interested and they come from the Healer Hub podcast, I would love to add a free session to the package. Oh, that's great. That's so generous. So we're going to find all the information on your website. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for tuning in. If you have any questions or if you have any comments, you can find Faith on Instagram, me also on Instagram. And that's it. 